1: Election College, Episode 97, The Whig Party.
0: Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith.
1: Hey, Jason, we talked a little bit about parties, and we mentioned the wig party in the past. We figured like everybody knows what the wig party is. It's so popular nowadays, but just in case people don't, we'll go ahead and talk about it.
0: Yeah, so get your big powdered wig mm-hmm. with a bow in the back. Yep.
1: And uh, maybe a picture of Washington. It's not
0: necessarily just that,
1: though, buddy. Uh, what? Just It's not just about wigs and stuff? No. Oh, okay. Well. The original Whig Party uh, <laughs> was around. They actually used this during the American Revolution, and different patriots would brand themselves as, not literally brand themselves, at least I hope not, as the Whigs. And <laughs> <laughs> there had previously been a British Whig Party, which, you know, you can say what you want, but they claim it didn't come from the British Whig Party. They just came up with it all on their own. Yeah, but really,
0: what a Whig would have been
1: in the
0: colonial days those were the people who were like we don't like tyranny stop it king get out of our hair
1: (laughs) (laughs) but what about the american whigs a little bit after the revolution they start whenever they see president andrew jackson coming around and they're like hey he is a dangerous man on horseback and we don't think he's good for society
0: Yeah, because if you remember, King Andrew, that's what they labeled Andy Jack, was the guy who was kicking out Native Americans from their homelands. He was doing all kinds of crazy stuff with the banks. We've talked about this many times, but he didn't like the idea of the uh, central bank and uh, really anything having to do with a strong federal government.
1: So the Democratic-Republicans, they split off and actually formed the Whig Party. And in the lead is Henry Clay, our buddy who we've talked about oh so many times, and President John Quincy Adams. And they decided that they were going to, well, they were going to form a new political party to get rid of King Andrew.
0: Yeah, so let's back up just a little bit. You remember with TJ being in the house, there was this whole vision of having... A really unified government, a unified populace that said, "We love America, and we are we are all one, and let's sing Kumbaya, and maybe smoke a few things, maybe not." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but what ends up happening is the people, the American people, us, we're like we like different political parties, we like having some opposition, we like the whole idea of checks and balances in the federal government we like the idea of having opposing views uh let's duke it out a little bit come to good compromises where the people can come to an agreement come to compromises and go forward and jackson was all about doing away with anybody who opposed to him (laughs)
1: yeah yeah this not only was true in military but also in uh just his personal dealings as well. He pretty much gets rid of all the people who are opposed to him. He says any internal improvements that he doesn't approve? Nope. The Second Bank of the United States, which is like a big deal, he gets rid of that. And people are ticked. 1831 rolls around, Henry Clay gets into the Senate again, and he's like, okay, um, here I am. I'm in a position to do something. I'm gonna create another political party yeah so let's just simplify it just a little bit. You got
0: Jackson, yep. very much states rights, weak federal government uh-huh. you've got Henry Clay. Let's go for more of a stronger federal government and let's have let's let's have that battle between strong federal and strong states. so you also have the geographic issues going on you had the tariff of abominations in 1828 and that really made southerners irate the leaders in the south held that duties on foreign imports gave an advantage to the north where all the factories were so by the time 1833 rolls around the whigs are a real party clay had already run as a national republican against jackson in 1832 But
1: didn't have a very good showing. Yeah, so pretty much anybody who supported Clay, who supported Daniel Webster, who we've also talked about, if you were a former anti-Mason, which we'll talk about the anti-Masonic party probably someday again in the future, and then anybody who used to be a Jacksonian that pretty much didn't like the way that things were going, they formed this new party. And basically the name Whig talks about the party's opposition to Jackson and his tyranny. Because, well, the Whigs were people who stood up to the tyrants of yesteryear.
0: Yeah, so Clay really emerges as the leader of the Whigs, but there was a little bit of an inconsistency because Clay was all about the people, right? And Jackson being horrible when it came to uh, the, the general population because, after all, he was King Andrew. But Jackson really brings up the point that Clay associates himself with the upper class and doesn't really have an idea of what the common man really needs. So what do the Whigs do in 1840? They nominate a war hero, and that war hero is William Henry Harrison, who gave up the high life to live in a log cabin on the frontier. Yeah,
1: that's pretty honorable. Yeah.
0: I suppose. it's You know what? It would make
1: you give a very long speech <laughs> <laughs> and maybe contract some sort of illness crap doing so anyway, that's not what we're talking about right now. uh we're talking about the Whig party, and the Whigs they sound unified to me, right, Jason, yeah, except they weren't, no. and a lot of people didn't really have a lot of loyalty to the party that was in front of them and well if you're used to the Democratic Party or the Democratic or the Democratic Republican Party, uh, you're used to well it's a die hard thing. you're gonna die, live and die by that party. you're gonna believe and, and, and preach everything that party says. But with the Whigs it's like well yeah, we're against Andy Jack, but like all the other Whig stuff is like yeah okay um, So they weren't super super into the Whig party. However, the Whigs had like this crazy network of newspapers, and Horace Greeley, who we've also talked about many times, who has the New York Tribune, is part of that.
0: Yeah. So, by the 1940s, the Whigs were in control of 49% of the governors, Mm -hmm. and they had a really strong base in the manufacturing uh, northeast, as well as in the border states. So, you did have a very strong showing for the Whigs in the 1840s, but like Ben said... If you're known for being more for what you're against rather than what you're being for, you're probably going to have
1: a lot of factions. Yeah. And fractions. And fractions. Factions and fractions. Why not? (laughs) So when you're known for what you're against rather than what you're for, like Jason said, it creates a lot of issues. And the Whigs, as soon as they came around, start already declining a little bit. But before they do that, 1844 rolls around and they're like, Henry Clay, he's our leader. He lost a presidential race to James Polk, but we still love him.
0: Yeah, it was a really close race. And in 1848, the Whigs were like, okay, Henry Clay, we have <laughs> run you. Well, not only have we, but others have run you for right. president so many stinking times that let's give old Zachy an opportunity. So Zachary Taylor, who was the hero of the Mexican-American War, we spoke about that in an earlier episode. They're like, Hey, Zach, run against Lewis Cass. <laughs> so on the Democratic side, you had Lewis Cass, and you also had Martin Van Buren. And Van Buren entering into the race as a Free Soil Party candidate splits the Democratic vote. And what ends up happening is Zachary Taylor gets elected in 1848.
1: Hey, we talked about the Compromise of 1850 and that being Henry Clay's brainchild. Uh, Taylor was pretty much opposed to it, and he really wanted California to come in as a free state, and these are like big issues for the Whigs because the Whigs don't really know what to do with the whole slavery issue. Uh, Pretty much all the leaders of the Whig Party from the South own slaves, and the Northeastern Whigs, which Daniel Webster, who we've talked about even in this episode already, he he pretty much represents a bunch of people who don't really care about slavery one way or another, but they'd probably prefer it wasn't around.
0: Yeah. So you even had the Whig Party leader from Illinois named Abraham Lincoln, who was like, you know what? I'm done with politics. In 1849, he's like, I'm going to go back and concentrate on my law business, my, my practice there, and forget you politics.
1: So the Whig Party is in decline, and the election of 1852 rolls around, and Henry Clay dies, Daniel Webster dies, and the party just starts to deteriorate rather quickly. And it didn't help that you know the Compromise of 1850 and a few other things had really fractured everybody, like Jason said, fractured and factioned or whatever. And <laughs> uh, the convention in uh, 1852 in New York City. Um, Well, it doesn't do real well. And it actually turns a little bit into Republican Party.
0: Yeah. So let's back up just a little bit. You have the Democrats who are not unified because they're all in factions. You have the Whigs. They're all blown to bits (laughs) with different um, persuasions on slavery and economics and, and so on. So by the time... The late 1850s, the early 1860s come around. You have the newly organized Republican Party. Many Whigs do choose to go with the Republicans and you enter the Civil War. So, the Whig Party just goes away and Ben, I think we could probably say the worst thing you can do is have a party based on what you're against and not what you're for.
1: Yeah, and People have tried to revive the Whig Party several times in history, even recent history. It never goes so well. It always just kind of gears up for a year or two, maybe one election cycle, and then it's gone again. So sorry, Whigs. I don't think you're making a comeback anytime soon. But hey, crazier things have happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you've enjoyed hearing about the, we talked about the Libertarians last week. We talked about the Whigs this week. Maybe some of these parties that are not Democrats or Republicans, we enjoy researching it because it really helps us with insights for today.
1: Yeah. And it makes us feel smarter, which is always important.
0: Very important. (laughs) And if you've become smarter as a result of this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please head over to iTunes. It'll only take 90 seconds of your time to leave us a rating and a review.
1: Yeah. And we would love to hear from you as well. If we've helped make you smarter or you feel like, no, Ben and Jason, you're not actually smarter. We'd love to hear from you either way. If you just wanted to send us a tweet or something on Facebook or something of like the like, we really do enjoy engaging with listeners. And it's always a treat when someone shoots us a message.
0: Yeah. And don't forget to visit our Amazon affiliate account by visiting electioncollege.com slash you'll be taken to their site. Nothing will change except we get a little cut and it helps us offset some of the costs for this podcast.
1: We will see you next time. Thanks for listening.
0: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.